in junior high when I became so strong. Soon I found that I could fly, it didn't take that long. Super speed, the laser eyes, the list goes on and on. I even think my superpowers help me write the song. Sometimes I'll go out looking for some trouble just for fun. I always get the giggles when the punks bring out their guns. I'll gather up their weapons and I'll hurl them at the sun. My name's the Silver Savior and I'm loved by everyone. Hello and welcome to a new PNB and this always feels weird when I'm hosting it because I'm not Kayla. I am T.L. Foster, uh, but today I am not joined by my regular cavalcade of Dragon Ball fans uh, or anything. I don't even know if you like anime. I've never asked you that question. Uh, I'm joined by, of course, uh, Mr. Dan Amrit. Hi! Do I like anime? <laughs> I have a, Do you like anime? I have a weird relationship with anime because when I was at magazines in the mid-90s, like, the only way to get mm. anime was, you know, like, dubbed VHS tapes from, uh, uh, who was it that did all of them? God. Uh, uh was it Manga Enterprises or something? Like, I forget. Oh, uh, yeah, Manga, Manga, I think it's uh, Manga Entertainment. Yeah. Like, because they had, like, the big cross logo. Yes. With the, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so Mega Entertainment. So yeah, they would yeah. send us screeners, and that's how I got to see Wings of Hanamis, which I hated, like, with a passion. Mm. Uh, and I, the mm. more I saw, the less I connected with. The one thing that I liked was Ranma One Half. That was just... Which is really good. It is really good, but it was so <laughs> ridiculous. I was, like, I was not looking right. for, you know, like, very strong and, and powerful characters. I was like, oh, this is dumb. You know, like this is this is funny as hell. So, like, when people go, "Oh, what what's your favorite anime?" They expect me to say Cowboy Bebop, you know, something sci-fi or Akira. Of course, right. you can. I didn't even like Akira. Like, I should probably go back and rewatch Akira because now I, I might dig it. But at the time, I, I didn't. I didn't like it at all. Right. But I would be right. like Ranma no, One mean, Half. You know, did you play the Super Nintendo <laughs> game? I did. Yeah, Ranma One Half. You know, like. <laughs> so I'm pretty ignorant when it comes to modern anime. Uh, because mm. I, it just it didn't connect at the time, but I remember it was like, oh, you've got the VHS tapes for Ron. I'm like, well, I've got like two or three. Like, yeah, like why? The, That's huge. I can't find them in my area. You know, it was like people scavenging right. for tapes and and import. I also grew up watching Speed Racer and didn't understand. Like this is that it's is, so old that we used to call it Japanimation. I'm sure you've heard that one. Uh, so before it was yes, called yes, anime, yes. I was just like, yeah, and I used to love. Speed Racer. Because, you know, I was like seven or eight or nine or whatever. You know, I'm a little boy. I like cars. And here's a, wow, oh boy, it's the mammoth car. Here we go. You know, like it's very prototypical. And then I wound up buying the DVD of Speed Racer and going like, oh, this is going to be great. And it was just, it was terrible. You know, like it, the movie. You didn't no, 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 care, not the movie. I mean the original oh, series. Oh, 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 okay, the series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The movie. I have a. It's a little <laughs> difficult. Like I, I love what they attempted to do, and they really committed, and that's right. what I like about the movie. But you know, right. yeah, the 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 original series is still very like hastily dubbed, and nothing syncs up, and it's just you know, and it, it's just very. Like, it's a serial for 12-year-olds, or for 8-year-olds, really, not even 12-year-olds. Right. It's not even that sophisticated. Oh, boy, I'm just going, ah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to race. Okay, well, I sure hope you do well. Oh, I'm going to do my best, Pops. You know, like, it's just hilarious right. to go back and do that. Meanwhile, all my friends were watching Dirty Pair, which I still haven't watched. And I'm like, what's with right. the bunny well, girls? You know, like, so, yeah. <laughs> right, I was going to ask you, like, not, not just Dirty Pair, but, like, like Macross. So, to me, whenever I think of someone who is in an advanced age, I think that's a a better way Thank to say you. it. Uh, Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, um, but like a... everyone's like <laughs> everyone's connection. Hey, look, I I'm turning thirty four this year. I'm not even thirty four. Oh, you um, poor guy. <laughs> oh. Uh, 
but everybody's um everybody's barometer is Robotech, right? Right. And I've never seen Robotech. Me, I've seen Macross neither. Like now. The one the one classic anime that I can actually lay claim to being a huge fan of and that I would love to go back and revisit is Space Battleship Yamato. I saw the Americanized version of Star Blazers. I would come home from school mm. every day, and they were playing that on the air at like 3.30 in the afternoon. So I'd get home from school, I'd have like my snack or whatever, and I'd start doing my homework and watch this epic space opera that was like nothing else I had seen. So like I can still sing half of the theme. I won't, but I can still sing half <laughs> of the theme. So yeah, I really like, I would love to go back and rewatch Space Battleship Yamato, maybe watch a dub or uh, you know, or sorry, a sub instead of a dub because the original was you know like the one that they showed on American TV was with English voices, but you know I have right. again, but I'm scared because I thought Speed Racer would be good to revisit that too, and and it and it wasn't. So I don't know. That's that's the only sort of classic that I go. Yeah, that and Ranma. You know, so at least I have exactly. something in sort of drama and something in comedy. Yeah, I mean, it both the the feet are in both sets. So I don't right. even know what phrase I was using. Yeah. Uh, but there we go. Anime reference done. There you go. Um, Dan, uh, another thing we do on these shows, what have you been playing? So what have you been playing you know, recently? Um, what has been in your hook? Being where we are, I have decided to take some of the opportunity uh, to be home a little bit more often than I was. I'm working from home through all of this. But uh, right. I've wanted to go back and finish games that I like either half-finished or really meant to play. So I went back to my Steam backlog. I'm, I've been mostly PC for the last several years. And I, I got mm. Mortal Kombat 11. And I super liked it. And I was like, wait a minute, what's going on? I forget. And then I went back and I was like, okay, I should go back and I should play Mortal Kombat 10. And I started mm. to play Mortal Kombat 10. And I went, I don't remember any of this either. Wait a minute. Did I finish Mortal Kombat 9? And I had not. Now, I consider myself ah, okay. a pretty big Mortal Kombat fan. But I got... Halfway through Mortal Kombat uh, 2011, Mortal Kombat 9, uh, mm. two or three different occasions, and uh, it was because there was a cheesy boss battle that I couldn't get past, and I got frustrated, I put it aside, and I forgot. So uh. Uh, I had, I've just recently rebuilt a fight stick, and that fight stick had a turbo function and a macro function, so I just used that to cheese the hell out of the bosses that were prompt. <laughs> but it was really satisfying as a fan of, again, Mortal Kombat is basically... Uh, martial arts uh, wrestling, right? Like, it's it's just one big right. soap opera. It's very corny, very cheesy, but, like, you have to pay attention to what's going on. Characters, you know, turn heel from time to time. Right. And so by the end, you know, by the end of Mortal Kombat 9, hopefully this is not a huge spoiler for anybody, nine years later, a lot of major characters die at the end of that game. Right. And then they come right. back as zombies, as evil bad guys in later games. So today I started playing Mortal Kombat 10. And here's the worst part. I look at it and it goes, you have 15 achievements and you have played for 17 hours. And I go, what? No, I never played this game. Yes, you did, Dan. You 100%ed this game on normal difficulty. <laughs> you just don't remember any of the plot because you were like, I want to fight. I want to fight. And now I'm going back for plot. So I'm in this really unusual place where I'm playing things. I'm like, I vaguely remember this. I do. Oh, right. I kind of. I kind of remember that. I didn't have a nice stick when I was doing it before. But I kind of recall this, but because I've played it, it knows that I've played it, and it goes, "Well, you can skip any fight you don't feel like doing." And I'm like, "So do I go <laughs> through and just watch the cinemas and sort of like tap, tap, tap? I like this character because I've earned it, 
Or right. do I just make myself play through every battle so that I can sort of appreciate playing this game fresh and then move on to Mortal Kombat 11? So, right. uh, yeah, I've been playing Mortal Kombat. I went back <laughs> and I played Tron 2.0. There's an amazing fan uh, mod out that the, the the community. There's a very strong Tron 2.0 game. Again, this is a mid-2000s first-person shooter from Monolith. Mm. And because it takes place in the world of Tron, it's almost like not dated at all. It's exactly what you would expect from a Tron right. game today. So people hacked in widescreen support and they fixed a lot of bugs that mm. Disney didn't fix. They've added more multiplayer servers, more multiplayer modes, more multi more light cycles and player models and all kinds of crazy stuff. So I went right. through the single player campaign on that and that really holds up. It is definitely of its era. It's a first person shooter where they want you to jump a lot and do platformers. It was very in vogue in the mid 2000s. But Tron 2.0 with this free mod, 10 bucks. Oh my god, I had so much fun with it. I'm you know. now. Is that the one that has the like the? I think one of the interfaces is a BlackBerry. I can be completely no, wrong. Or no, it's not that else? one. No, it's, it's okay. Okay, it's not okay. that one. This one is. Uh, <laughs> it's like they got Bruce Boxleitner to come back and voice Tron. They got Cindy Morgan, who was mm-hmm. Yuri, uh, uh, to come back and voice like the voice of his dead wife that he put into the computer. That's sort of revealed as you go through the game. It's like, oh boy. Uh, and, but it, none of this is canon anymore because this takes place before Tron Legacy was built. But they halfway right. through the game, through most of the game, you're searching for this code called the Tron Legacy code. So it's like this. This should be no. It doesn't. It doesn't really exist. Okay, but it, so he's got a different son. Right. They still went with the yeah. He's got a son, and you play as the son. And so like you know that concept mm. carried forward. Different character doesn't matter anymore. It's not canon according to Disney. So. Uh, so yeah, I've been playing mostly old games, uh, mm. with the exception of the new game that really has me going is uh, Half Life Alex. I love uh, my Oculus Rift. I have a Rift CV1, mm. not the new hotness. It works really well on my machine. I've got my visor with the cable suspended over my ceiling. I have little carabiners and clips mm. and and retractable cables so that I can walk around 360 degrees in like an eight foot by six foot area. I love the right, hell out right. of that thing. I treat it like it's a game console. It's like, what do I want to do? I have to be in the mood, and I have to have time to, you know, sort of get lost in it. But Half-Life Alex is absolutely the best thing I've played in VR. And I don't know if it's worth going out and getting a VR rig, but if you have a VR rig and you can do full, full room-scale VR, absolutely do whatever you need to do. Move the furniture, you know, set up a bedroom just for this, whatever. It's right. stunning. I did chapter seven of it last night, and I don't want to do any spoilers, but it is easily the scariest and most tense I have been in VR. A lot of VR games are like, oh, jump scare, you know, something like that. And there's a lot of people right, out there right, that right. want to make like, ooh, we are a spooky game for VR because, ah, ghost in closet, you know. And this is just right. like, no, seriously, Valve was like, we will show you how this is done. And it is just absolutely so insane uh and i was just scared all night and i went to bed at 1 30 like with my eyes wide open like i can't believe i survived that but i'm really glad that i'm not going to go back into the visor and face that so that's what i've been playing no that sounds uh sounds i half-life is one of those things that is a big gaming like blind spot for me oh never played any of the any of the half-life games i i i've eventually want to go through them but it's it's a complete huge well, gaming well here's spot. the way to do it there is a game, a fan creation, recreation of the original Half-Life. 
in the Half-Life 2 engine called Black Mesa. Mm-hmm. And it took them like eight or seven or eight years or something to port the entire game over. And they were in early access for a while. But uh, in November, they released mm. 1.0 of Black Mesa. So now you can play Half-Life 1 and 2, and they look the same. They look like they belong in the same universe at long last because the fans went back. Mm. And with Valve's blessing... They, they said, yeah, right, go ahead, right. do it. So that's actually one of the things that I've installed, and I want to go back once I'm finished Alex, which takes place between Half-Life 1 and Half-Life 2. I want to go back mm. and play the original two games again because I just miss them, and I forgot how much I... It's very thinky. It's a thinking man shooter. There's a lot of really clever puzzles, and considering your environment, and uh, yeah, mm. I, I do recommend it. I, I do believe they still hold up, and the fact that fans went back and did black mesa so look for that on steam if you're if you're ever right. curious so yeah no i definitely will try that out um a little bit what i've been playing um the usual i've been playing persona 5 really great persona 5 royal okay uh, it's it's a perfect and persona 5 and again i'm not sure how much you've touched any not of at the persona all games. i have never touched a persona game they are they are very jrpg-esque and there's a lot going into it but Five Royal fixed a lot of issues because there's a lot of, like, time gate uh, keepy stuff. Like, you can go to a dungeon, but if you go into a dungeon, you can't raise this stat. And it kind of – it makes it, – it artificially stretches out the game. Right. Uh, Royal has definitely gone out of its way to make it shorter uh, by allowing you to go out at night afterwards. And it allows you to fix a lot of stuff. It's still a very long game. But it was really it's, – it's been really fun. Um, I finished Trials of Mana. Okay. Um. And I'm going to end up doing a whole grind forever about it. But Trials of Mana, my best way of saying it, it feels like playing a game made in 1990s, like your idea of a game made in 1990s. Right. Like it is a it is a 90s RPG. But that's good, right? But like right. Okay. And there's a lot of there's a lot of the updates of it that make it feel well to play today. But it still feels like a 90s right. RPG. So it's 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 that good part of the nostalgia where, oh, this is the, the good joy I remember, but this isn't the bad gameplay. Like, this actually feels really good and really refreshing. Um, I really highly recommend it, especially if you've not played a lot of JRPGs. It is a great one to get in. So when I started my journalism career, quote-unquote journalism career, I remember playing, like, Lunar the Silver Star for review. I didn't mm. – I've never played a proper Zelda game. Modern or classic, I've started the original Legend of Zelda like three times, and I just can't. Right. I can't stick with it. But everybody says just go to what is it? A Link to the Past on SNES. Uh, uh, I mm, that was that was so that was my first one. Honestly, if you've never played one, I would always I'd say Breath of the Wild. That's the one to get your uh, toes. All right, all right. I, I like. I really wanted to start yeah. classic. But yeah, I I didn't yeah. I, like. I played a few here and there, but it quickly became clear that uh, RPGs were not my strong suit and I wasn't going to be right. uh, eloquent in writing about them uh, because I just didn't have the history that a hardcore fan would have. And at GamePro, mm. you know, we would have a, we had a column called role players realm and we were always desperate for somebody to anchor that for us because every game that came in needed 150 hours, you know, like that was just all right. there was to it. And it's just like, you yeah. have to have this specialty. We had a, we had a wrestling specialist. We had an RPG specialist, uh, we had a sports specialist, uh, generally per sport. We had a hockey guy. We had a baseball guy. Uh, and then I was the uh, I was the skateboarding guy. Again, remember, we're, we're in late 90s, early 2000s. So uh, right. I was also the, this is bizarre, give it to Dan. So shit like Incredible Crisis 
or Mad Maestro or Guitaru Man. You know, any of these, what the hell is this kind of game? Parappa, that was definitely in right. my bailiwick. They're like, this is some sort of game that I don't know. It doesn't fall into any of the traditional genres. I'm like, bring it over here. I will I will assess it as its own thing. So right. that, was, that was really fun. I did do one thing for the super old days. I recently built mm. a, a, a Raspberry Pi 4 and I installed Batocera mm. as my, my retro OS. And that's a dedicated machine just to play old school games when I want. I've been going through Earthbound. That's the closest I've gotten, which is, again, oh, not a very nice. traditional game. I still have, believe it or not, I have a copy of Earthbound complete inbox uh, from when I re- mm. when I got it for review back in the day. And I loved that game. I thought it was really fun, but I never finished it. So when it came out on 3DS right. as a virtual console, I said, I'm going to finish this. I'm now stuck in the desert, which is where a lot of players get stuck. I have a printout of a walkthrough. I just have to force myself to do it. But now right. I've got it over here, and I'm like, is there any way I can get my save game off of, uh, you know, like could I just pick <laughs> up on my TV? So what I found was um, the Pi 4 is powerful enough to run – Sega CD and Dreamcast games, which is great. That's a that's a oh, huge thing. Right. Sega CD, I wanted to go back and play The Mansion of Hidden Souls. I don't know if you remember this, but this was a ripoff of The Seventh Guest where the puzzles make almost no sense. You literally bump into things in the world, pre-rendered world like mm. Seventh Guest, but you bump into them until right. you find keys. So I'm just using a, a, a walkthrough <laughs> because at the end of the game, there's literally like two puzzles that I would consider are actual puzzles uh, that you're like, right. oh, I have to observe something in the world and then I have to replicate it over here. Uh, the last sort of part, the last chapter of the game is in uh, your timed. So I'm like, well, screw that. Mm. I'm just I'm just going to follow somebody's walkthrough. I'm going to go directly to the doors that I have to go and do the things because never mind. If you if you right. do the critical path, this game is maybe forty five minutes tops, and most of that is watching the same cinemas of you walking through this house. So right, yeah, right, right. I'm I'm I am sort of indulging a little bit of nostalgia, but I, again, these are the things that have occupied my mind. Like, oh, I'm going to rebuild a, a fight a game fighting stick, and I'm going to make it into something even right. better, and then I'm going to take this pie and I'm going to make it work at long last, and I'm going to load up all the stuff, and I'm going to do three D printing, and I've given myself all these little uh, hobbies. <laughs> That I don't really need because I have a million other hobbies, including sort of one of the things we're going to talk about later. But, um, right. you know, but yeah, it's uh, it's been fun sort of revisiting the older games. Uh, and eventually I'll get to the latest games, but that'll be right. later. You know, once I'm due. Yeah. It just feels like <laughs> I, I'm looking for closure through all of this. And that closure is making me very happy when I feel like. Right. I finished Tron 2.0. It was a better game than I even remembered it being. I'm sure I finished it mm. back in the day. Uh, you know, Mortal Kombat 9, that felt like a huge accomplishment. Even though I cheated with, you know, turbo and macro and right. one-button attacks and stuff, it still felt like, okay, I found a way through that. I Kobayashi Maru'd it. That's fine. Let's do it. Um, so, yeah, that's that's kind of what's been... I, I've been wanting to game a lot more than I have been able to because mm. I am working from home. So, uh, right. yeah, it's uh, it's it's been a satisfying game time through all of this. I will remember this crazy time in history as... I did a lot of good gaming, you know, and I did a lot of but, escapist and, gaming too. Yeah, and I, I think that like even the time frame works. So like I've been, uh, hell, we just recorded a two uh, two hour podcast talking about the Last Dance, right? Mm-hmm. The oh, Jordan yeah, yeah, documentary, yeah. which is bonkers. But like I've just been in a really weird like '90s kick, and it's just like, like I said, I'm playing Trials of Mana, then Final Fantasy VII remake, and like half the games I'm playing the remakes. It's just like. 
the 90s are here and i and i remember like when i was growing up when i would see like people like oh i had nostalgia for the 70s or the 60s and I, yeah just being sure. a kid being like like okay i guess and like now i'm here like yeah, the '90s. '90s were great. Early 2000s were great. Jico jeans, love that. Oh, like, bring them uh, back, yeah. please. <laughs> uh, what warheads? Yes, is that the candy? Yes, yeah, yeah. I, I had a very especially with the Tony Hawk announcement. Right. Which I, I would. I'm looking forward to that. Definitely love to ask yeah. you about that. Well, yeah. you know, I uh, the Tony... I grew up in the '80s, and at right. the time, the nostalgia was to the '50s. So, like, you know, Grease the musical was a really big deal in 1978 because. All right. the boomers were starting to be like, oh, yeah, remember how bad we were in the 50s? We thought we were badasses because we wore a leather jacket and we fixed up an old car, you know. And it, it does happen right, every right. 20 to 30 years. Um, you know, you get some sort of throwback thing. Uh, so it's, it's the thing that I'm excited about, about 90s nostalgia. Uh, first of all, I have to say it's super weird because I was a working professional during the 90s. <laughs> so the games right. that are like, oh. I remember Battle Arena Toshinden, and I'm like, yeah, I was there for the launch. What are you talking about, you know? Um, Low-poly stuff. So, like, there's a game coming out uh, mm. in, a, in a few months called Hot Shot Racing. I've been watching this mm. title since it was called Apex Racing. It's a low-poly drift racer in the style of Virtua Racing. And I love the low-poly aesthetic. I just think that's super great. And whereas, you know, through the last five, ten years, we've seen a lot of uh, pixelated things. We've seen a lot of 8-bit retro, you know, Shovel Knight, and we've seen uh, stuff like that. Um, I feel like we've sort of moved on from 8-bit retro to 16-bit retro, and now we're into 32-bit retro, and I say bring that on. I cannot wait to see what people start doing with low poly, if they do it. Yeah. I, I, I want... I'm really looking forward to just, like, a full-on FMV. Like, let's just bring oh, back no. FMV. We no. have... We have better. We have better actors. We have better technology. Like no. David Cage games are just. They are just F and V games. No. with a little bit more input. No. let's just go full on F and V. No. I'm ready for no. it. No, I do not I, believe that F and V needs to ever come back. <laughs> I think we've tapped that resource. <laughs> a few people have done interesting things. Uh, there, right. I, you know, there are some indie releases. Um, but no, nope, 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 nope. You can take <laughs> all of those. I'm gonna. I, I picked up Night Trap on uh, Nintendo Switch for two dollars mm. recently, and and apparently it's the optimized version. It's the 25th anniversary. They've changed the interface. It's not the the Sega CD interface. It's actually an easier right. and more fun game to play by all accounts. So I might give that a try, just for nostalgia, because mm. that game saved me. I was on spring break and we got into a blizzard. Because when you go to college in upstate New York. You get blizzards for spring break. And so we literally right, could right. not leave the house. It was six-foot snowdrifts that we could not dig out of for three days. So Kat and I were stuck at a, at a friend's apartment. We were apartment sitting. And uh, he went to Hawaii, that son of a bitch. Uh, <laughs> so he got away. But we were like, well, what do we have? Right. Well, he left to the Sega CD, and he's got Night Trap, so we're going to play Night Trap. And we obsessively went through all of Night Trap and kept a log and said, okay, you got to get over here. you got to be here to do this. Not a fun game to play, but it was good for keeping right. our sanity. So I'm a little scared to go back. Like, is it going to be fun at all? Am I going to enjoy any part of it? I don't know. But we'll see. I mean, like, what if they did an HD remake of Sewer Shark? I know you, like, poo-pooed that on, on Twitter. I, I don't see the appeal of Sewer so Shark. It would be so great. I don't see the appeal of would, Sewer Shark. You guys are crazy. It would be so Who needs Ned Beatty uh, that much? Seriously. All right. Uh, anyway. It would, it would, yeah. Anyways. Um, let's talk about, um, let's talk about your project that you've been working on. Yeah. Let's actually, 
let's actually talk about one of the reasons why you're let's here. Let's do the plug. Other than you being great. Oh, uh, let's that's do the very plug. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, obviously, you've been doing music, obviously. But you've been doing music for a while with Palace Swap Ninja. Right. Um, and I don't think we – did we do an interview about the – I don't think so. Uh, Slayers? But we – But you did a – you did a trans. You did a tra- a tra- like a a, a tra- like I don't know. Like it's so good. <laughs> your your constant album, uh, Princess Leia, still in Death Star plans. Right. And I thought it was amazing. Thank you. You you, uh, you and a uh, uh, Jude, Jude Kelly. Jed, Jed Jude. I yeah. keep saying I want to say Jed. No, but it's Jude. But <laughs> you and Jude uh, did such a great job. Thanks. And um, I had heard. I had known about the project before it came out. Right. I mean, you've had conversations. Yeah, I kept, we kept it hey. quiet while it was in development. <laughs> right. But in 2012, we were trying to come up, you know, Palette Swap Ninja, we did a bunch of video game parody songs. And we just wanted to do something larger than just a single. And we got into the idea right. of doing a larger form thing. And we, we kicked around a couple of ideas. Nothing worked. And it was actually my wife that said, you guys got to pick two things, you know, a song or an album that you want to do, like a parody of that entire album and a story that you want to tell that people really care about. Right. And she was the one that said, I don't know, like, I don't know, Star Wars and Sgt. Pepper. And we looked at each other and we're like, well, that's it. But it took us five years to come up with it. And so I only told select people because I don't know if you know this, but in the funny music community, it is deathly competitive. If you come up with a good idea, somebody else will take it with no hesitation and just be like, what? I publish. I'm, I'm funnier. I'm funnier. Tell me I'm funnier. Like we, Jude and I are just not really big fans of that culture. So we don't, right. we don't hang out so much with those guys. But we knew that if we had said, we're going to do the story of Star Wars overlaid to the Beatles, Sergeant Pepper, in order that somebody else would get it out before we could get it out. So we blew mm. several deadlines and it wound up taking us five years because we were doing it, you know, like Jude is literally a rocket scientist. He is a, he is a research scientist right, in Boston. Right, right. I have always been busy working for Activision or Ubisoft or wherever I'm working for at any given time. So it was like mm. ugh, in our spare time, we have to really be professional musicians and record this thing from scratch. Uh, so mm. yeah, that came out in 2017 and uh, we were very happy. We figured it would be a slow burn. Like maybe somebody would notice it and it would be kind of nice. You know, we put it out on May 1st, hoping that by May the 4th, maybe with, you know, shouting and yelling and sending, we talked to, doc, we, we sent it into Dr. Demento. I contacted a couple right, of local right. radio stations and said, look, you know, for your morning show on the 4th, here's something that a local person did that you might enjoy. Uh, you know, just hoping that we might, eh, yeah, good job. Within the first the first 24 hours, Gizmodo picked it up, and then it was right. just off to the races. And I, I mean, I don't know how they found it or where they found it, but we had we just uh, we uploaded all the things to YouTube, and my wife had actually uh, recut the original film footage to match our right. story, which was a really fun way to watch the project. If you want to just watch right. the album, you can watch the whole album that way. And, uh, you know, you can also download it for free. We did the whole thing for free because otherwise we would get sued to high heaven. Um, mm. But, uh, yeah, we were super gratified. And the coup de grace was uh, Mark Hamill saw it and called it ingenious. And he is right. He is legitimately a fan of that work because he has tweeted about it three times unsolicited. 
He's like, oh right. my god. I've seen that, yeah. Yeah, he, I mean, he keeps sending us shout-outs every once in a while when he visits it and goes, man, that's funny. So if you, like, <laughs> we got hate. Obviously, you can't make anything on the internet without getting hate. We had people say, this right, is right. disrespectful. I loved the 13-year-olds reading IGN going, this is disrespectful to the boomers, you know? F you guys. You don't <laughs> know what disrespectful is. Respectful right. is listening to these tracks over and over again and recreating some of the recording and mixing techniques that the Beatles do. We really sweat. We knew we were right. gonna, If we don't make Beatles fans happy or Star Wars fans happy, let alone both of them together, we're dead. So we knew that right. that was super important. So I, I don't want to hear somebody say, this is disrespectful. What, to Star Wars or to the Beatles? Like, Because which is it that right. isn't supposed to have a sense of humor about itself? So... But, you know, all of the haters can go eat a dick because, frankly, if if Luke Skywalker likes your jokes about Luke Skywalker, you win. That's it. Like, so, right. you know, we're very happy. In, in the intervening time, we actually did the entire album live with a, stu- with a symphony orchestra of 70 pieces. Right. Which was insane, and I'd love to do it again um, because the recording didn't come out very well. But if you want to hear any of that, all of that is uh, for free. Uh, for uh, download from PalletSwapNinja.com as well. And then, of course, we have some stuff on YouTube. We actually do have some videos of that live show, so you can see we dressed up. I dressed up like Luke. Uh, uh, Jude dressed up like Han. Kat made all of our costumes. It was amazing. So, uh, so yeah. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of bummed because I did, so I did uh, buy the tickets to go there, and I just had literally work stuff come up. I'm so sorry because so you were I, supposed to be yeah. there. You gave us – Right. Yeah, for this live show, we, we sort of sold some – premium seats in advance so that we could actually pay for the hall uh right and then anything extra went to the orchestra which was a non-profit orchestra we wound up raising about 750 dollars for that orchestra so and, and that was after right. covering about three or four thousand dollars in costs like there was no way we would have been able to do it without sponsors like travis uh <laughs> right you know so it was very like everybody got a tote bag yeah. you know uh, no, we didn't do tote bags, but we did. We sent out like actual <laughs> copies of Princess Leia's Death Star plans, and we sent out uh, right. like a limited edition print, an art print that uh, we hired uh, a really talented artist uh, to make. Uh, he's Sketchalings on Twitter. He's amazing. Mm. Uh, so yeah, like that was that was fun. But through all of that, I was going. Mm. Well, I guess now's when I should go solo. <laughs> um, well, and and it's. It, like I said, the great thing about it, the great thing about, you know, uh, that project was it being so nar- narrative focused. Right? right. And then when you were doing your other Palace Swap Ninja songs, like some of my favorite songs are those ones that are very narrative focused. Right. Like uh, Arcade Gaming Shrine. Right. Uh, like so now you have this new project. Right. Which is very narrative focused. Well, right? we realize that people <laughs> like stuff like Arcade Gaming Shrine and uh, Halo. Uh, the Halo song right. is very narrative-based. When we told little stories in our parody songs, people seem to latch on to that more. And that's why we decided to do something longer form and narrative in the first place. We're like, this this is satisfying for us to tell those kind of stories, but it's also satisfying for people to hear those kind of stories. And I realized I grew up listening to a lot of, a lot of story songs. Copacabana by Barry Manilow is a very famous story song. Um, mm. You know, self-contained things. Not a musical, per se, where people just break out right. into song. But, you know, much more of, like, The Legend of Wooly Swamp by uh, by Charlie Daniels' band is something that you got a lot of airplay around Halloween. But it's like this horror story about these guys that go into the swamp and they're, like, bad people. And, you know, the swamp monsters get them. 
and uh, right. you know, and they kill this old man for his money, and then the ghost of the old man comes back and kills them. And you know, it's just like, oh wow, you know. So like, I always liked little story songs or things that told a, a, a brief, self-contained story, a moment in time for a person, rather than just the mm. standard love song. You know, the love songs have right. their place, but you know, I can only listen to Usher's dot com so many times. Um, you know, before I'm like, I get it. You want to bang somebody, you know, like, and, and, and there's, <laughs> right, right. there's room for that, but I always found right. that more interesting. And so I started thinking about like, what would I want to do? And I hit on, on the name actually pretty early on. Like I, I would just write, I would write story song ideas. Uh, I have a whole bunch of them just in uh, written down of like, Oh, that's a funny story that I'd like to tell. And for whatever reason, I wanted to tell it in music. So, like, and this is one that I haven't done that's not really part of this project, but I, I would have stuff like um, Mary, the mother of Jesus, uh, is always bragging about how cool her son is, and all the other women in her sewing circle would, like, really like her to shut up about it, you know? And I was just like, right. that's super sacrilegious, but that super makes me laugh. And I'd love to do a, st- a story song from the perspective of one of those women in the in the sewing circle being like, yeah, we get it. He's the Messiah. You're proud. Knock it off. You know, uh, so that right. that kind of stuff makes me makes me laugh. And uh, that led to the idea of a superhero, like a Superman type superhero who believes mm. his own hype. Like, you know, we've seen mm. in Justice, we've seen Superman go dark and go, you know, homicidal and he blows up Metropolis or, you know, all that stuff. And and I was just like you know and, and and irredeemable is a fantastic comic book series that I thought was great. But I read, I read a book uh, called Soon I Will Become Invincible, uh, by Austin Grossman, and it was basically a memoir from the perspective of a supervillain who this time he's gonna make it, right? Like he's got the right. foolproof plan, and that really tickled me. And I thought like, you should write a song about that kind of guy, you know, like, mm. but it, then the more I thought about it, it was about that kind of guy compromising his beliefs to win. Like he was going to be a brainy supervillain who, you know, was going to outwit the guy that could punch him into the sun. Right. Right. But instead he kind of winds up sacrificing who he is. Uh, and he, he invents a serum to give himself super strength because it wasn't enough. Who he was was not enough. So I'm dealing with all these like right, big right. things. Like for me, that's like, right, right, whoa, right. okay. And then I started working it into a duet with a hero who decides this is not worth being a hero anymore. Nobody appreciates me. Uh, these guys that I'm beating are dumb. I, I'm beating them because they're stupid. They think they're smart, but they're really dumb. And, like, nobody appreciates that I'm the hero of this town. I, f- screw it. I'm going to go f- play for the other side. So you have right. – that's where this concept, this this phrase, hero falls, came from. And I was like, this hero is falling. And then I thought, well, hero falls, it sounds like Niagara Falls. That sounds like Victoria Falls, you know? So what if hero right. falls was a physical place? It's a city where superheroes exist. And that, that duet, that's the main villain and the main hero, except that hero turned villain. Right. So I tried to write that song and it didn't work. And I had to throw away like the 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 whole concept of the villain uh who becomes super strong instead of super smart. Um that didn't work out. I wrote a terrible song. And so I looked at the parts, well what can I what can I take apart? And I liked the idea of the hero falling, like the hero saying, "You guys don't appreciate me. You're going to regret that." And that's that was the first song that I wound up sort of not the first one I recorded. 
but it was the right. first one that I sort of crystallized like, okay, this is an important character. And so then I went and I did the work and I, I built a whole backstory. I named the character. I know where, where she's been. I know what led her to fall. I know what she goes on to do. Um, mm-hmm. And and that was, yeah, that's where it came from. And it, it, you're right. It was all narrative driven. So before long, I found myself on my commute to work. I have like a half an hour. So in that half an hour, I would make myself do something whether it was work on chord progressions uh, or usually it was just writing out backstories or coming up with song concepts or writing song lyrics. And the idea was, you know, I'm going to do a whole bunch of connected songs that don't necessarily sound like they're connected. Like all these people exist in the same universe, but it's not a linear narrative. It's not a musical like Oklahoma or The Sound of Music, right? It's not like... Okay, right. and then in this thing, now the newspaper editor has a song about being the newspaper editor in Hero Falls. Um, right. You know, so I've just been sort of, I know the overall universe, but I don't have a clear narrative thread. What I have is connections between characters. And I've got six songs out now, and they're all free. So if you're interested in this concept at all, you can just go listen to them on Spotify or or just download them from, uh, from Bandcamp for free, or you can pay what you want or whatever. Um... I'm getting to the point where the next few songs, you're going to start seeing characters who have specific relationships. And I'm not sure whether I want to talk about them or not. I kind of do, but I kind of want to let people, oh, is this connected? Is A connected to B? Is this character, is this what that person is singing about? Or is this one of the events that happened in the world? I don't know if I've given enough narrative stuff to make it compelling for people to understand that it's connected. But I also believed that there was something about this project that people would probably like to figure it out for themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, and that's the that's what's really cool about that, right? It's it's being able to tell that story in a in a brand new way, being able to to show you know these characters in a brand new way, and letting people infer. Like um, the the great thing about storytelling is that you can you can say so much, right? But it's really what someone interprets and what someone pulls in, right? that really kind of gets it and i think keeping it i think if you do go that route where you keep it you know ambiguous i think that's really interesting because me as a me as a listener and i i'm i'm witnessing this now with like having so much free time like i'll look at games that are tangentially created like all right so how does the lore put in right and something like this something like hero falls like i'm looking at this like okay how does this lore fit in? And that's what, as a listener, that is what's intriguing to me. It's kind of connecting. It's a, it's a different kind of puzzle. Just kind of right. connect, puzzle connecting. And, right? and I, I want to give that, and assuming that people want it, you know. And what, what I didn't understand was, what does it take for people to get emotionally involved in, in it? Like, right, one song, mm. you're not going to know. Maybe you don't like the story that that song tells. Uh, maybe you don't care about that character but you know how at what point do you have enough stories that people go oh all right i kind of see what you're doing here or i like this or whatever uh so that was kind of frustrating for me honestly it's been i just i just released the first tracks in jan in february i I released them for my birthday Mm. uh and i i released two at the same time i was going to release this as an ep i was going to wait until i had like five songs because i figured if you have five songs people can get invested and they'll mm. see that, oh, okay, so these people are connected in some way? Yeah, because you will see all of that in front of you. And a friend of mine who's an independent musician, uh, Joe Iadanza, he's been doing the singer-songwriting thing in earnest for about a decade. And he said, don't release an EP. Release one song every month. And that way it gives people a reason to come back and discover you. That hasn't mm. happened for me. 
Um, like, and what I have yeah. is a bunch of unrelated songs and I'm indulging, you know, I'm an amateur songwriter, but right, I've been right. letting the stories suggest what kind of song it is. So another hero falls, which is Firefox's story. Um, mm. she's the hero that falls that, you know, that is really, this is like, that's the, the key song for the entire piece to me. Um, she, that song is out there and that was just sort of like this dark indie sort of acoustic strummy thing. Um, right. But then I realized for me, since people associate me more with comedy music, with, with Palette Swap Ninja and stuff, I had to do one of the goofy things. So that idea of a Superman who isn't evil, he's clueless. He's right. He's all powerful. And if everybody went, oh, wow, Superman, you're the best thing in the world. And he went, I am, right? Like, I'm pretty goddamn cool. You should all be right. bowing to me. So uh, it's Superman with a messiah complex. So there's a little bit of Mystery Men, Captain Amazing, you know, where he, like, sold out and he had all the all the patches. Right. You know, he had all the sponsors. I, I thought a little bit about that. And then a little bit about Irredeemable, where a guy is just like, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm all powerful. And I could vaporize all of you, but I won't. A little bit of the boys, Homelander. Homelander is a bit evil. But Homelander has that need to be loved. Like, I, I don't know if you're familiar with the boys. Hopefully you are. But um, the Superman yeah. uh, character in in the, in the boys is very much, like, all-powerful and petty. But if he right. if he has not paid tribute, he gets even pettier. And that that's sort of, like, all of that came together for, like, what if this guy actually had a messiah complex? Because I pulled back from one of my other ideas, which is... And again, this is a lot of Catholic guilt and, and, and stuff dealing with me. So pardon me if you find this sacrilegious, but I grew up in a religious household and that always like I've dealt with that through comedy because I didn't I wasn't really compatible with that. So I don't deny mm. anybody their faith. But if you're Superman and people worship you like a god, wouldn't you start to think that you're a god? You know, right. So that's yeah, yeah, yeah. I pulled back from a full on like, hi, Jesus comes back. It's the second coming. And he comes back as a superhero because that's the paradigm that people in our modern times would associate him with. Oh, you can fly, you right. can walk on water, you can change things from one form to another. You're a superhero, you know, like, because we're just, right. we're in, we're living in the Marvel universe, right? So I pulled back right. from that. I'm like, okay, well, what if he's just, he's just a douchebag superhero. He does save the day, but you're like, oh God, did you have to be such a jerk about it? Did you have to be like, right. that's right, I saved the day. There's, there's no graciousness. In, in this superhero. So those are the first two songs that came out the, the gate. And I figured I had to do it funny because, you know, that's what people expected and that it might be a good hook. I did not expect to write a ska song, speaking of 90s throwback. <laughs> and I had never right. I never sat down to be like, oh, I should write a Scott song. But when I started thinking about his, his story, the story mm. that came out was, I'm the life of the party. Right. What's what's the ultimate like self-indulgent party music? And I was like, I should just do this as a ska song because he thinks he's the coolest thing. And I also right. have the luxury of telling stories from different periods of time throughout this history. So everything isn't mm. happening right now. Some things are happening right now. Firefox's fall from grace happened in like in October 2018. Right. So that was like that's recent. And I have another song that's currently in the works. I'm happy to say uh, if you know Blythe Renee from the Damsels of Dorkington, or also mm. uh, she is some of the voices in Borderlands 3. She plays the giant robot. Um, uh, uh, Genevieve, 
uh, she plays Genevieve. Uh, she's doing, I wrote a song specifically for her because I love her as a person and I want to work with her. Uh, that is also taking place in recent. But I was like, if I'm going to write a ska song, I can actually make this song take place in the late 90s or in the early 2000s right. when ska went through its sort of, you know, its resurgence. And, right. and I can sort of indulge that sweet tooth. So I have, again, I have a timeline and I let people know when that song takes place in the timeline but I don't say much else. So every song has a dateline and it has like a little phrase that I feel sums up the narrative of that song. So if you mm. if you want to dig into the lore, I figure I'm leaving enough breadcrumbs for somebody to go through and be like, all right, well, we know this song takes place this and they're talking about an event. So that, that event probably took place a year or two before. Uh, one of the songs actually calls out a year ago, December. So, like, that tells you exactly when that, that tragic event that led to this character's fall from grace. Like, what, what, how did Firefox fall? The, the clues right. are out there if people want to find the clues. And I'm just waiting for somebody to ask questions so I can go, yes, no. That's, but at the same time, if somebody comes up with an idea and they go, oh, so this is probably what it was. I might go, it wasn't, but that's a better idea than what I had. I'm looking forward right. to sort of collaborating because you look at stuff like homestuck you look at stuff like homestar runner and the way that the creator feeds off of the energy and the ideas that they're given by the by the audience i think that's super cool and because right. i am intentionally building something that is not based on something that the beatles or disney owns right <laughs> um, right i can do whatever i want with this i've created all original characters i've i you know uh, i mean you know we're, we're talking about tropes we're talking about superheroes so you right, have, right, 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 you know right. but again i'd like to think that an arrogant superman is interesting enough uh you know that that's 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 gonna fly so to speak um, right. So yeah, I have a lot of different types of stories where a lot of different kind of characters for where they are. Uh, some of those characters that we've already heard from in the first six songs, they are on sort of like the super, the, the equivalent of the Justice League or the Avengers. Mm -hmm. They are on that team together, but you don't know that. Um, right. Okay. So, you know, I, I guess if there's anything you want to know, I'll I'll happily tell you. But if there's if there's anything that you'd like to leave out there, I'm happy to just let people keep guessing. But I, I kind of I wanted to come on the show because I feel like people don't know that we're building something for comic geeks that it tickles the same kind of your brains that like the X Files did, uh, or that a comic you know does. And I'm I'm hoping to offer people that kind of escape, uh, and to give you credit for being an attentive listener. And putting pieces together so that you feel like, oh, I figured that out. You know, it's not a puzzle, but it can be a puzzle if you want it to be a puzzle, you know. Right. It's it's like, like I, I keep bringing up, you know, narrative storytelling, but it's, you know, it is almost like, it's almost like a, a, a interactive, like, RP, right? Yes. Like, you're not RPing. We're not RPing, but we are listening to and you can now so see these characters, right? I am RPing this in that I have a Twitter account for Hero Falls, the city where the social media interns are tweeting about what's going on in the world. So I'm dropping more lore hints and referencing events and characters there, but nobody right. is following that account. Like, nobody gets that's what I'm doing there. Because I thought, like, oh, this would be super cool. So on Instagram and on Twitter, there's hero mm. underscore falls in both places. And I started tweeting under hero underscore falls a year before I dropped the first single. So, like, I'm just out there keeping myself entertained, but I wanted it to be like when somebody figured it out, they'd be like, 
holy cow, this thing's been going on for how long? You know, like, so right. that's 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 a thing out there. That's the only time that I'm role-playing uh, anywhere in this thing. You know, I, I jokingly had called myself the mayor of Hero Falls, but then I realized as part of my narrative, I needed to actually create a mayor who would be reacting right. to this weird guy in California writing songs about this town where he doesn't live. So mm-hmm. I have kind of an argumentative relationship with the account that exists for the actual town of Hero Falls because they don't appreciate that I'm bringing up some of the worst parts of their history. Right. I don't Maybe that's too high concept, but it's entertaining me. Uh, it's just very difficult to find images that I can, like, send out on Instagram because I have to be on my phone. So I'm taking right. pictures of local things and just saying, like, oh, look, there's construction at the, you know, at the local strip mall down by, uh, you know, on 3rd or whatever. You know, I'll do that kind of stuff. So... So, yeah, it's if people want to bring something to it, it's an open enough canvas that they can. I have a couple of anchors, but I'm looking forward to seeing how other people start interacting with me and we all figure out where it goes together. Yep. So, um, like I said, I I love the songs. Um, I I have been listening to the songs. I think they're really great. Um, I have not gotten a lot of feedback. I'll be completely honest. It's it's been sort of like. (sighs) Since the lockdown, I've been like, well, this will give me a lot more time to work on this project. And then I was like, right. but nobody cares. So what's the point? <laughs> you know, like, I, I just haven't heard a lot of feedback on it in general. So I was like, maybe I just need to make more people aware, you know, this is a thing. But I appreciate hearing that I, you like what's there. Again, they won't all yeah. be to your taste. Some of them are slow and melancholy. Right. Some of them, some of them are, are upbeat and silly. Some of them, you know, I just released uh, – a song called How Does This Work, which is sort of like my Foo Fighters tribute, so it's a it's a grinding rocker. But, you know, like, I'm having fun right. skipping around, and uh, as long as you hear something that, that you connect with, uh, then, you know, hey, good good job, Dan. You know, like, I feel like I've done something <laughs> right, right. that was worthwhile. Right, and, and I think, like I said, I think the audience comes there, it's, because it is something that's very new, and it's not really, doesn't have an, you know, it doesn't have a yeah. natural built-in audience. It is going to take a minute for it to catch its teeth, but I think this is something – it's such a cool idea. It's such a cool concept. Once it gets its teeth in it, I think I think it's going to roll because it's I something so. like – it's something that you can – as a fan, I can go and I can you know state my claim into it right. and I can move forward. Like like you said, stuff like Homestar Runner and Homestruck. I started reading Homestruck right. this year before – for Viz ruined it today. Sorry, it's, it's offline. Sorry, yeah. uh, <laughs> but but no, but that was something where it was very interesting to me because I am coming back to it like that is now 10, 12 years. Yeah, and not only what it what it was and how it grew that audience, but then what it went on to influence, right? Like sure. you think of something like Homestar, and or you look at something like Homestruck and it influencing stuff like TV Universe, right? Like, right. like you look at that and you're just like, huh. So like, I feel like this is something that can be that big because it's such a, it's such a great concept and a great idea. And again, I, I may be biased, but I think you do tremendous. I work, appreciate right? your bias. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, thank you. I, um, I mean, I, that that was my goal was I, I let's build a playground, but then we can play mm. whatever you want in that playground. You know, like I have right. my ideas. Uh, if other people say, gee, I'd like to do a song, you know, or I, I have a character or tell me, can I help write the backstory of that super team or uh, like this secondary super team? Like there's certain things that I know, like there are neighborhoods in Hero Falls mm. and certain characters right. live in certain neighborhoods. So they will refer to those neighborhoods. Uh, one of them is St. Christina's. That's the local sort of like big 
gothic cathedral because you can't have a comic book place without a gothic cathedral but there are certain characters that live in that neighborhood it's a certain you know rent of neighborhood uh Mm. it's sort of like a little rundown area of the place so like there's a lot of student housing and a lot of low rent housing there but then you also have sort of the creepy superheroes the supernatural guys they they naturally gravitate towards this place of spiritual you know uh of power you know of sorts so like there's things like that that i have Look, I've got the skeleton, and I can tell you a certain amount of specifics that anybody could then go and tell their own story through that. What I think would really help is, like, fan art. It occurs to me, if people don't... I've never revealed what any of the characters look like. There's right. there's a few that I know what they look like. And I'm thinking of commissioning some artists to do, like, here, do a portrait of this character in flight. You know, I will tell you what they look like to me. But I was kind of holding out to see, what do other people think this looks like? You know? What does this, there's one character who I'm like straight up I'm going to tell you like nobody can design Firefox I know what Firefox looks like but right. I like in the history of these characters I know which ones are which ethnicities mm, but there's right. nothing out there that says what ethnicities they are so what if somebody created their version of that character in an ethnicity that made sense to them if they identified with it and they saw it as themselves that would be a huge honor. You know what I mean? So I, it's it's right. kind of interesting, too, because occasionally, and I don't know what this is, I have no problem writing songs from a female perspective. If I can get absolutely real, I am super he, him, cis, hetero, whatever you want to call it. I like girls in a traditional way. But I have always been very much in touch with my feminine side. I'm not afraid to hmm. show weakness. I'm not afraid to show compassion. Uh, and and I'm I'm very uh, I I respect my wife and and her creative side and what she does. So I've like I right. don't have a problem so much writing female characters and putting them out mm-hmm. there and saying, "Gee, I hope that you find this to be real." You know, I write a lot right. of strong female characters. I'm inspired by a lot of strong female characters, not least of which is Princess Leia. But right. But at the same time, I felt like, well, I want this universe to be representative. Um. So I should probably start writing non-white male heroes. All the the male heroes I was writing were white males. And I'm like, doesn't have to be that way. But how do I do mm. that with a polite and respectful way that isn't pandering, isn't right. SJW, but actually <laughs> right. is representative? Like I, representative. I always right. think of Spawn, right? Like Todd McFarlane, Spawn was African-American. And right. I read Spawn. I was a big Spawn fan back in the day until he removed his own rules, right? Like the whole the whole mm-hmm. tragic love story was you have a limited amount of power, and once that's de- gone, you're dead. So either you 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 figure this out, or you're you know. And then he's just like, nope, I'm yeah. selling too many toys. That that restriction is lifted from the narrative. And now we're you know, <laughs> right. I, I, that that bothered me. But I was like, how did a Canadian dude, white guy, figure out how to make a really interesting, sympathetic? african-american male character and not have it be like this is my stereotype of what an african-american male should be so i found myself going like damn i want to be open but am i open enough to really know what i'm doing like how can i create a character one of the songs that's in development is an asian-american character um and i don't really know i mean at the same time part of me says well, you shouldn't be doing anything stereotypical anyway, so it doesn't matter what what ethnicity that character is, just that you right. can project whatever it is. 
you know, if, oh, by the way, that person, it was sort of like Dumbledore, right? Oh, by the way, Dumbledore is gay. Didn't matter to the plot of Harry Potter that Dumbledore was gay. But in J.K. Rowling's mind, Dumbledore was gay. Okay. Um, and so I'm trying to find that balance of how do I, how do I encourage representation? Am I sophisticated enough as a storyteller for where I am in this project to be able to do that, to be able to, to present different cultures that I am not a part of and still have it be a respectful and empowering way to respect that culture, to, to present that culture. That's kind of what I'm, I'm facing now. I don't want to make everybody a, another white guy. But at the same time, I know how to write white guys. But we don't need any more white guys. We need some white guys. It's got to be a mix. But I've like already written enough white guys. So now as I, as I develop new characters and new songs, because that's really what it is, what story do I want to tell? Mm. Then what does that story feel like in song? What is the genre? What's the tempo? What kind of chord changes do I want? And then I'll fill out the backstory and be like, oh, yeah, it's this guy. It's this dude who, like, this is what he did, and this is how he became a superhero, or this is how he got his powers, and then this is uh, this, the moment in time for that character, and there you go. And then I go, is there any reason he can't be Korean? Is there any reason she can't be black? You know, whatever. And I just, I just do that. And I, I'm at this point of being like, do I call my token black friend Travis Foster and say, you know, <laughs> like I don't, right. I don't want to do that, but I'm like, I want to be respectful without being like, right. hey, I'm a white guy, I'm writing for black people. What is it that you black people like? <laughs> you know, like I just, I just right. want it to come off as genuine. Right. Well, no, I, I mean, I have to say, like, I, I podcast with a native, native Canadian, right, and I'm like. I don't want to just like, hey, Sonia, I'm writing this thing about um, a, a female native nerd. You know, is this does this sound weird? But at the same time, like you said, it's it's not about like, is this sound weird? It's like, how do you show representation? What's the best way of being able to show the representation? Yeah. And getting somebody to be like, hey, I'm writing this. This weird like that. That's. I, yeah, I, I that's 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 the positive way of looking at it. I know what I don't know. Yeah. And I don't. Right. I, I I am I am humble enough in this process to know that I'm not going to get it right the first time. I'm not going to get it right every time. But we have both seen the road to liberal hell being paved right. with good intentions, right? Where people think that there's they're they're standing up for you know milady fedora, you know, like <laughs> right. I don't want to white right. knight this shit. But at the same time, right. I don't want to be just like, well, I'm a white guy, so you're going to get white guy stories because. I want I want other people to find value in this project. If comics are really supposed to be this amazing escape for everybody, that there's nothing about a comic book story other than the lead character that isn't universal. The best comic book stories deal with things, you know, emotions that we all go through. This is the magic of Marvel, right? Like right. Spider-Man is flawed, Iron Man is flawed. All these people are flawed, but um, you know, they all have things that you can connect with. And Marvel right. has been so good at like, hey, here's Ms. Marvel. We've changed Ms. Marvel. You know, we've changed Captain right. Marvel. Uh, we, you know, Thor's a woman now. Deal with it. Uh, you know, like right. Black Panther has gotten increasingly respectful. None of these things, a lot of these things did not start out respectful, right? Right. No, yeah. They evolved uh, yeah. into being. But at the same time, <laughs> yeah. I feel like, okay, I do not need to go through that evolution where I do something embarrassing. Right. I, I can learn from the previous mistakes and from the last <laughs> – 50 years of comics history and go what flew in the 70s is not going to fly now but understand right. why it can't fly okay then just start there you know 
So mm. yeah, we'll see. We'll see where it goes. But I'm I'm open to feedback on this project because I really do think that it, I'm having fun building it, uh, mm. and and I'm open to other people saying, you know, it would be cool. And to know that you can actually have that impact on this one. It's not going to be one of those, get away, it's my project. I mean, you know, I'm the director, so I get final say. of like, no, actually, I have another idea for that character. I'm going to go in that direction. But we could create a second character that does that thing exactly, and I have space on this team in my head. And suddenly, you know, you get to say, I helped co-create this thing. And none of us make any money off of it, because obviously I'm giving it away for free. What the hell? Um, (laughs) Right. But, you know, yeah, it's a fun thing to do. So... It's a it's a it's a it's a beautiful canvas that we are going to make a mosaic. It can be like, w- right? Yeah. So like that's 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 the that's the everybody. The yeah, everybody it. can add a picture, but I'm the guy with the glue. It's still your mosaic, right? I have eighty-five <laughs> percent creative control, <laughs> but at the same time, you know, like yeah, I'm I'm open to hearing how other people interpret the concept. And if they find it interesting. And, and it's been gratifying to hear a couple of people say, oh, that's a really good idea. Because that's, you know, right. as long as they, that's what we went into Palette Swap Ninja with. When we started Princess Leia Still and Death Star Plans, we both fundamentally felt it was a really good idea. It was a silly idea. It was an ambitious idea. But we kept coming back to it and going, like, it made us smile to think, what would that be like if it existed? And I got the same kind of grip when Hero Falls occurred to me. And I'm like... I want this to exist because I think it should exist. And there's really nothing, mm. you know, more than that. Um, there was a little bit of tension, maybe not tension, but, you know, when I told Jude, I'm like, hey, I, I've got this thing called Hero Falls and it's really bothering me and I've really got to get it out of my head. So he's like, hey, we should do a parody on this. We should do a parody on that. I'm like, great, write it down. Right now I am compelled. I can't get Hero Falls out of my head. I've got to write these songs and get them out. Right. Uh, and so I've been asking Jude for help whenever I need help. Jude actually just submitted some really cool keyboard lines to my – it's my first primary villain song. I'll tell you that much. Next month's uh, release will be a song that's very unlike any of the other songs, which I guess is kind of good. Um, it's a song from a villain's perspective. It takes place in 1973. It is a very important, it is probably the only, like, the most important moment in Hero Falls history that I've tried to address since the fall of Firefox, since Another Hero Falls, the first song. Um, Mm. I have some very talented friends, and so I've been calling in a lot of favors, and Jude is just one of those talented friends. Uh, I got something that I was able to get actual symphonic instruments on this that I never thought I'd be able to get, and it's amazing it sounds so good. And I can say that because I didn't record that part of it. You know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> right, right, but, right. So, yeah, that'll be that'll be next month is a villain song from the early 70s uh, mm. with symphonic instruments, a legit. And I'm so happy with it. So uh, I need to work on it more. I have another month. Uh, I have another week or two before I was planning on releasing it. Um, and, mm. you know, so we'll see. But, yeah, this 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 march is on and there's a lot of there's a lot of leeway. Absolutely. Um, so um, it. I don't, I I don't know what's a good follow up. Let, let's let's just I, break I, that segue. It's fine. Just what else do you want to talk that. about? Yeah. <laughs> uh, no. Um, like I said, I think it's really great. Um, obviously, um, I, I I wanted to transition because I, obviously Dan, <laughs> I could talk to you forever about five million things. There's so much. There, you're such a wealth of knowledge. Not only in in gaming, but in music and and just a lot of you know just a lot of things. You're calling me old um, again. 
You're calling me I'm old. Not. I, I, no, I'm not. I know. I'm really not. Um, you know, I, I want to. I want to end on. Let's let's end on something very frivolous. Okay. Great. Um, uh, so, from the last time we've talked or or seen each other, the Jeopardy Champion of Champions thing happened. Yes, and I watched that with bated breath. That was amazing. <laughs> so and and like so, I, I watched that, and then when the pandemic, all this stuff started. The first thing I did was All Jeopardy's on Hulu. Right. right? I heard and... of a lot of people using that as a, as a coping mechanism. Like, I need something life-affirming. Well, first of all, Axe Trebek is everybody's <laughs> grandfather. And second of all, <laughs> right. like, it feels educational when you watch Jeopardy. <laughs> well, and what was great is it goes right into the Ken Jennings run. Right. Right. And I was just like – and I remember being in high school and watching the Ken Jennings run, and I was just like – yeah, like I remember thinking, like, is there anyone as good as Ken Jennings, right? So, what were your thoughts, like, when you, when you saw the the actual tournament of champions, being a Jeopardy fan yourself? Right. Well, I saw. I mean, Kat and I were in the habit of watching it every night. Like that was just mm-hmm. our little our time. We we would eat dinner and we would watch Jeopardy, and so we were lucky enough to be there at the beginning of Holt Tower's run. Right. Uh, and so at first I was like, wow, Holt Tower's. He's an odd bird, isn't he? You know, like, he, he just had his own way of doing things. And I really got to the point where I was just rooting for him because he was so bold. So, right. you know, you get into Holtower's run and you go, he's got to go up against Jennings. Like, you've got to, you know, the, any strong personality in Jeopardy has to be compared to Ken Jennings. It's just the nature of the beast. Right. Um, right. So I was very happy with that. I saw the... Uh, so before they did the the greatest of all time tournament, there was the one where each of them uh, t- created a team, right. of of like three or four people who would play, you know, on their team, and that was really good. I loved Austin, Austin out of New York, the bartender from New York, the curly hair with the. I love him to death, and he was a great player, and he gave excellent show. So I was I was sorry that he was not invited to any of these things, but. I love right. Ken Jennings. Ken Jennings is the total package of somebody who is gracious when he wins, gracious when he loses, is a champion in all definitions of the word. Um, he is an amazing Jeopardy player. He's got it down to a science. Uh, and he is like a great ambassador. I there is It is inevitable that Alex Trebek will leave us one day. Uh, you know, he will need to retire. He will pass away. Whatever happens, who is going to fill his shoes? I say give it to Ken Jennings. Make Ken the host because he gets right. it. He gets that show on such a deep level. Uh, and he's personable himself. I think that he would be able to do a really good job as the host of Jeopardy. He's the he's the only Jeopardy expert we have out there, you know. And now that he yeah. has won the Tournament of Champions of Champions of Champions of Tournament yeah, of Champions. Right. Where is there else to, for him to go? He needs to be part of the show. <laughs> That's No, I, I agree with you. And like – the thing is, I don't know if he just knows how to play Jeopardy better than anyone ever has. I think Holtzhauer right? knows how to play Jeopardy better than anybody ever has. From right. a strategic standpoint, which, I give it to Holtzhauer. Right, which is what was so great about his run. Like, he would do stuff and you would just be like, no, like, why – it's almost like when you crack a code and you're like, wait a minute. Why haven't I thought of it like that at all? Like, like I already – like, I'm pretty good at trivia. I know I'd be a terrible Jeopardy. Uh, contestant because my my go-to is true daily doubles always and you you shoot high because if you don't yeah. shoot high why would you absolutely why would you go absolutely so 
So uh, I would be a terrible Jeopardy contender uh, contestant, but he was such a he did such a like a, just a tremendous job. It was just like like I said, it was like seeing into the Matrix. Yeah, yeah, he had really deconstructed the game, and then you saw it right. in his play. It was it was alarming. I would I would never be able uh, to make it on Real Jeopardy either. Um, I did. <laughs> Audition for and pass the test for Rock and Roll Jeopardy, which was uh, mm. Jeff Probst's gig before Survivor. Uh, right. And I did not get called because I was not in L.A. I think that was part of it. But uh. as it turns out, the day of taping, I was going to be in L.A. because it was E3. Like, what are the uh. chances? So I did not <laughs> I did not get on. But what I wanted to do was prove that I was smart enough in music trivia to pass that test. And I did. And a lot of, like, very arrogant people were in that audition and they were like this is easy i'm gonna walk through and they like walked out because they honestly thought that it was classic rock and metallica that was it like dude actually came in in like biker boots a big belt buckle and a metallica t-shirt and then he was promptly asked questions about barbara streisand public enemy (laughs) and the beach boys and he's like that's not rock and roll it's like you know what it's about music it's about popular music you're gonna have to deal with that bro and he was like, this is bullshit. And I remember him stumbling off, and I was like, bye. I'm still in this seat. I was one, like 33% of the people, only a third of the people that took the test uh, passed the test. And then I did a sample wow. game and everything. So I felt really good. It was a 25-question test. It was on the Jeopardy set. We were in the actual Jeopardy mm. audience for the uh, for mm. the thing on the Culver lot, in uh, the Sony lots in Culver City. Uh, and then I, you know, I got to tr- try my signaling device, and they told me, ironically... <laughs> As a guy who played video games professionally, right? As a video game reviewer at the time, you're not pressing right. the button fast enough, honey. And I'm like, oh, I can, I can fix that. I can fix that. I'll do it. I'll do it. Now, I will, I will say um, some of the toughest uh, quiz, like, uh, like test quiz stuff I've seen have been your Pax Jeopardy test quiz. Well, test quizzes. I write those specifically for the hyper nerd that goes to Pax. It should mean right. something to the people that go to PAX, that it's not just phoned in. You see video games on actual Jeopardy, and you're like, don't make me laugh. You know, like, what is Danky <laughs> right, Kang? Right, right. You know, like famous memes. And stuff. Right. But even when they get difficult, like the, the hardest thing they're going to do is like the name of a specific Zelda game, like Breath of the Wild or something like that. You know, right. they won't just... But most of the time, it's going to be, what is the Legend of Zelda? You know, they're going to name the franchise. That's as deep as they want to go, because that's all most people know about video games so for pax yeah i go i go deep and i am happy to say now that i have a writing team the people who have won on the past pack shows i have invited them to help me write more questions so that i can get more than just what i know right um right for instance last time I, i we did a show i just put out a call i was like folks i need an anime category like, it seems wrong that we don't have an anime category, and I don't know anything other than, as is previously established, Ranma one half. So if you, right. like, I just, I trust you all. And they're like, oh, yeah, no, I'm a big anime fan. I'm like, great. Please write an anime category. Uh, and, you know, I'll trust you to fact check each other. So there's there's a secret group on Facebook where we meet, and I have, like, a, a Google Doc where anybody can add ideas when they get ideas and then, just like any other thing, like I said, I'm the editor, so I'll go through and I'll sculpt it. And I've got the magic formula in my head of what makes it satisfying to answer. Uh, to get a Jeopardy question wrong and still have fun, that's the litmus test for me. Is, oh, I should have known that. Or, oh, I almost knew that. That's way better than, why would I care? 
And that's the trick with the Jeopardy question is writing a question that somebody cares about learning it or, oh, I yeah, it, it's reasonable that I would have known that if I was in the zone. So, yeah, it's I've learned a lot about how Jeopardy works. And I I, uh, I will say that the, the PAX games are very laser focused on yeah. the kind of person who would come to PAX. So we're going to deal with like we'd. The joke for Jeopardy is there's the opera category, right? Like, no, if you're into opera, that you're you're thrilled. Uh, right. But how many people really know that much about opera? I did that with a Bruce Campbell category. Like, there's no reason that you shouldn't know who Bruce Campbell is if you go to PAX, or that you haven't seen some of Bruce Campbell's movies if you've gone to PAX. But that's an opera category. Yeah. Where if you're not into Bruce Campbell, and if the only nodding familiarity you have with Bruce Campbell is Army of Darkness. You're going to be like, oh, we're not doing that category. Fuck that shit. You know? So right, right. there's, I always put one opera category in that isn't opera, and it's always something like that. Uh, and that's a lot of fun for me. But, you know, to somebody, they're like, oh, a Bruce Campbell category. You know, like they're, 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 they're in heaven because that just changed the tide of the game for them, and that's great. Right. Uh, one more thing before I let you go, sure. Dan. Um, uh, I would be remiss to have you on here and not talk about uh, the passing of Little Richard. Uh, yeah man I, uh which sucks and i don't know if like i don't know if even people of my generation are giving him the flowers he deserves right yeah. like it just seems like this seems like this is this is like kind of like the godfather of rock and roll right like yeah little richard like i loved little richard because he was always who he was right he was flamboyant right. He, I, I, my favorite story about him is that, you know, Tutti Frutti was his breakthrough and, you know, it's very simplistic and you hear it today and you're like, that's not very sophisticated, but it was very good for its day. It had the right energy that we still need in rock and roll today. But the amazing thing was he was very risque and he was playing Mm. in a lot of, you know, African-American only clubs at the time. So this was like ribald, right? Like the original refrain of Tutti Frutti was not the famous a wop baba loo bop a wop bam boom. He mm. was singing Tutti Frutti, oh Rudy, if it don't fit, don't force it, Tutti Frutti. And I'm like, what? So he's singing about <laughs> sex and about your right. dick being too big for her. That's what he's singing about. <laughs> um, And of course that got sanitized for, for and, and you know, he went along with it. He's like, if this is what I have to do to make it, then this is what I'm going to do to make it. He was never not himself. Uh, right. And while, you know, being coming up when he did, he was always going to be a, bit of a, be a bit of a novelty act. You look at how he behaved in the 80s. The 80s embraced outrageous culture, and he was the outrageous culture of 50s. So he, he wound up guesting on Living Colors record uh, on Time's Up on Elvis is mm-hmm. Dead as a compatriot of Elvis, as like a contemporary of Elvis. He's singing about Elvis, which was a beautiful irony, and I love that. And that was Living Colors right. saying, y'all got to listen to Little Richard because he is not getting enough credit for what he did. So they found a way to tangibly make that credit, which I thought was great. Um, right. But yeah, like I think people are just like, oh yeah, he's one of those old 50s singers. But he really did have a spark that few other people had. He definitely did inspire a lot of people to go for it. Like his energy was what he was all, he was a showman. And I'm sorry, if you put Little Richard and Jerry Lee Lewis on stage together, they were both incredible showmen, but I'd watch Little Richard all day long. He was just so crazy. He was just so outrageous. Um, and yeah, I, I and, and yeah, held a musician, an amazing piano player. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's a shame that we lost a good one. But at the same time, mm. 
like when I heard he went, I'm like, he had an amazing run and his legacy was secured. So, right. You know, so be it. Yeah. No, I, like I said, I definitely wanted to get your, your thoughts on that. Like I said, it's been, it's been a weird couple of years, like losing little Richard and losing Prince, you know, Prince. I, what, I'm still years. not over losing Prince. Oh. Like it was, it's a, I had to tell somebody cause I was talking to somebody and you know, they were like, well, I don't know. Like, like, yeah, I was more of a Michael Jackson first. And I was like, but I, I feel like if you were if you were a musician, oh, like yeah. if you were a musician or if you love music, you're more into Prince. And I always say, I always like remember Dave Grohl said, someone asked him, you know, oh how good of a drummer you know Prince is, and he's he says like he's like oh Prince is like Prince is so much a better drummer than I am, and you're like, this Dave Grohl, are you serious? <laughs> but yeah. like, but but Prince was just such a savant, right? Yes. And then like. When you look and listen to his other music, that's not like the radio hits, right? Like when you actually go back and listen to his old music, you're just like, yeah, oh, all this is just really good and technically proficient and everything like that. And it's just losing people like that. It always it's it's always awful. But the good thing, the good that comes out of it, we have to look at it. It allows people to go back and remember what we saw from those people. Yeah. And remember and rediscover it new. About those people. Like people don't right. understand. I don't think that some people understand that Prince literally could play any instrument and he produced his own records from the beginning like right those first two albums first of all really nice dirty funk like people call it the minneapolis sound it's not the minneapolis sound it's people ripping off prince like you go back and he defined minneapolis funk um this is a guy who had so much in him that he couldn't get out that he invented a fake band, put his friend Morris Day in front of it, played all the instruments. (laughs) The time is not Morris Day and the time. It's Morris Day and Prince doing literally everything else. And then they had to hire, because that was a hit, they had to hire a live band to back up Morris Day. Um, Right. And the reason he did that is because Warner Brothers said, your stuff is getting too funky. We need you to go more in this pop rock direction. And he's like, all right, right, I'll do the pop rock stuff under my, but I got to do this funk shit. And that's where the time came from. And then, of course, he's just constantly reinventing himself and like, you know, I'm, I'm going to do whatever is creatively, artistically interesting to me. That man is one of the few people, when he would play live, he mixed the sound himself on stage. He had a little cocoon yeah. on stage and he would mix both the house and the stage mix in real time. He would just let somebody take a solo. He would go back and twiddle some knobs. And I'm like, oh, my. there was literally nothing Prince couldn't do except apparently stay alive. And that and that just kills right. me. And the fact that he's not immortal still blows my mind because he had – he right. was the total package in a way that I don't think – And I mean I love the Beatles, right? I love John Lennon. He's mm-hmm. an inspiration for me. That man did not produce his own records. He could write right. and he could sing and he could articulate he could not produce he like there was just prince could do it all and we are never going to find another person like him it it really it it's one of my biggest shames in life that i never got a chance to go to paisley park right uh, because i would have loved i would have man i would have loved to see that live um but i love doing this with dan uh i do want to let people know who probably who've never heard me interview dan this is the fifth time I've interviewed Dan. Is it really? I lost count. Day. It is. Uh, he's a very gracious friend who will allow me to bug him whenever. Well, also, uh, you let me come on and talk <laughs> about my pet passion project here, too. So, uh, you know, I appreciate that right right back. Um, but uh, for people who don't know, um, when I first – when I was younger, um, not going to say what age, 
as to not age Dan. No, go um, ahead. It's fine. <laughs> uh, when I was when I was uh, seven years old, I remember getting Game Pros, right? And I would always uh, read from this Dan Electro, and like it would just be like the stuff I like. Like like Dan said, Dan's like he he did a lot of stuff with Mortal Kombat, did a lot of stuff with NBA Jam. Yeah. That was the stuff that I was really into. A lot of the Midway stuff was like, I am that still was my into jam. That. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, you know, I'm going and I'm reading this stuff and it's Dan. And then, you know, fast forward, um, and I'm only thinking about this now because our podcast is almost 10 years old and we're reaching wow. episode 200. But uh, fast forward 12 years ago, and I remember just listening to a podcast talk radar and it's like dan amber like i've i've heard this guy i've heard this guy's name before why is that familiar what. yeah <laughs> i don't know what and then i go to bunnyears.net and i'm like oh my god i've been reading this guy forever and then i got to interview dan and it's been a great friendship ever since so this is one of the things i've been very uh, happy to do and, and i've been saying lately i've really wanted to Give people their flowers when you can, right? Because we don't know, and everything is just a hellscape. Yeah, and, and you know, I am I am going to die any second now because I am that old. Uh, I didn't say that. <laughs> like, please support Hero Falls. I don't have many creative projects left in me. I understand. It's fine. No, I see where you're going. I disagree that completely. <laughs> but, but I, you know, I do want everyone to know, and I want Dan to know, like, he is a legit hero of mine. And it's oh, always that's... weird to me when I'm like, oh, I, I get to do stuff – I get to do stuff with a guy like if I would have told myself at like eight or ten, I would have been like you're a liar, I'm flipping out. So this has always been really cool. For me. I if, so thank you, Dan, for well, letting thank me, you for letting me have you on. I mean, feel free to write my obituary when that comes around. You know, <laughs> there's going to be a lot of people on Twitter like, oh, Rip Dan, who was that guy again? I don't know. And then a couple people going, doesn't he still owe me five bucks? And then you know, <laughs> and then Travis is going to come in and be like. I don't think you understand. And, and so that's, that's nice. I, I'm glad that my legacy will be secured through you. I, 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 I agree. All right. Uh, so, Dan, this is normally where we do plugs. I do a bad Austin Walker joke. Uh, <laughs> so go ahead. Uh, can you plug – plug give, give everybody where they can go follow Hero Falls. Where All they right. Go listen to Hero Falls. Here we go. Get, get a piece of paper because I'm going to throw out a lot of URLs that are not going to make a lot of sense otherwise. Uh, Hero Falls is the current project. You can find all of the songs and some of the stories and some of the rationale behind everything at HeroFalls.com. Uh, I decided to go super obvious. H-E-R-O-F-A-L-L-S.com. That is not in-universe. Um, in-universe, on Twitter, it's at Hero underscore Falls. It's on Instagram as uh, at Hero underscore Falls. I'm not doing so much there. Mostly I talk about Hero Falls under my personal accounts, which is at Dan Amrick, all one word, on Twitter and Facebook and, uh, and, uh, and Instagram. Uh, if you would like to download any of the Palette Swap Ninja songs, they are also all free. Um, that is PalletSwapNinja.com. If you want to just watch Pal- uh, Princess Leia's Stolen Death Star Plans, uh, there's a bit.ly for that. It's bit.ly slash Star Wars Beatles, all lowercase. Uh, and remember, that is B-E-A-T-L-E-S, like the band, uh, for obvious reasons. If you uh, want to follow any of my personal weird things, like uh, my shrine to NBA hang time, or want to know why my website is called bunnyears.net, um, um, my website is bunnyears.net. If you go uh, there, you'll find a... 
uh, a, a very 90s page <laughs> that explains all of my different <laughs> hobbies, like uh, some of the old stories that I no longer tell, but I have enshrined there. Uh, the story of me waiting in line to buy my Xbox 360 and almost getting hit by a car. Um, the, the Some other stories on there, too. Uh, but yeah, Hero Falls is my, my current sweetheart. I would really appreciate it if you like it. And if you do, I'd like, I'd appreciate it if you'd listen to it. And then if you listen to it and you like it, to me, the biggest thing you can do is just retweet it or tell somebody about it and say, hey, this is really fun. Check this out, whatever. Send them my way. But, uh, you know, likes are great on Twitter. But what I'm really finding the currency that moves the needle is people saying, oh, wow, check this out. Here's the Spotify playlist or here's the website or here's the YouTube playlist. I'm on Bandcamp, SoundCloud, Amazon, iTunes, like literally everywhere where you listen. I even do Deezer for crying out loud. Uh, so yeah, anywhere that you would think to find music, whether it's free or paid, you don't have to buy it. I just would like you to listen to it. And if you like it, pass it on. That is my biggest request. But hopefully you like it. If you don't like it, tell me what you don't like about it. And then, you know, maybe I can get better as a musician and a songwriter that way. That's my plugs. There, there we go. Um, obviously, uh, if you like what you hear, you like the show, uh, please go to patreon.com slash PNB, where Dan is not making you uh, uh, spend money on his tremendous uh, stuff that he makes. I am asking you to give us a small fee, $5. Uh, yeah, don't pay uh, me. And... Pay, pay them. Don't pay me. <laughs> okay. uh, but you get access to a lot of the shows that we do uh, early. Uh, if you do that, PNB, the show that you're listening to now. Um, we have our all of our shows under P and B presents. Uh, which Dan, there's one show I'm gonna have to send you that Robert does called Rant Exe, <laughs> which is done in the is which is a it is a um, it is a facetious uh, fictitious a funny uh, rant article style um, uh, podcast that is done in the vein of the uh, of the uh, Dennis Miller show. Right. So it literally made me die laughing. I love it. All right. Um, uh, we have our grind forever. We talk about RPGs, PNBFM, all this other stuff. I also do another podcast because I apparently hate time <laughs> and myself um, about the Fresh Prince of Bel Air called Live from the Pool House. Me and my co-host Sonia Ballantyne. Uh, we are two people that are talking about Fresh Prince of Bel Air, which I got my first bit of feedback from. Somebody's like, I don't want to hear about a lot of your experiences. Well. I saw that feedback, and I thought that's what made that show interesting. First of all, it's not a show that I would have expected people to do an episode breakdown of. But the fact that you mm. you are both bringing in, this is where I was in my life. This is what it meant to me. This is uh, also, this is my experience. Uh, I thought that is what made it valuable and insightful. So don't listen to those haters. Yeah. You get in one little right. fight. You know, don't get scared, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it's been really great, and I love that. And like, like Dan said, we're going to continue doing that because not only are we talking about our experiences, we're also two people of color. Right. Uh, which there's not a lot of podcasts that have those experiences out there. So there you go. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Austin underscore Walker. There's my bad Austin Walker joke. Um, and uh, you, you can follow all the other people um, at, Kay- uh, at Kayla Neal Wrights. At Tierney, uh, Robert doesn't use Twitter anymore because he's a smart person. Yeah. And at uh, Brendan underscore LH. Uh, that has been uh, PNB. I forget. I don't even know what number this is. We're close to 200. That's what I'll say. Uh, but uh, Dan, as always, has been a pleasure. Um, and uh, we want to thank you guys so much. Go download his album and give your feedback. New songs every month for a while anyway. <laughs> Thanks for having me on, man. Appreciate it. Absolutely. 
Can you love me when you leave me behind?